1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fenway Rundown. This is Mass Live's Red Sox podcast. And for the first time since we started recording the show a couple months ago, we actually know when opening day is going to be. So we're excited that baseball is back, at least for now. And to talk about everything that has gone on in the last seven days or 10 days or so, we have my two colleagues from Mass Live, Chris Smith and Matt Votor, uh, ready to talk to you about a season that looks like it is finally happening. So, guys, are you ready? Uh, are relieved? Or are you excited? What are your feelings? Nervous about what is what we're about to embark on in this crazy 60-game season?
0: Yeah, I'm just ready to get out of the house.
1: Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of people feel.
2: It's funny because you, when you think about how much of a challenge it was to get them to this point, so they could actually play it. I think the harder part is going to be keeping to keeping it afloat. Yep. I think I think as as the uh, when the fall arrives and as these I don't like um, Sam Kennedy on the call the other day said that just, you know, they have the most comprehensive safety measures in place except for the fact that every thirty different guys could get, could arrive at the park by thirty different Ubers and risk you know if one of them is the catcher he was going to be you know around almost everybody you're risking. <laughs> I, I am hesitant believing that this season's going to, going to be able to, to have much in the way of legs.
1: Yeah, no, I totally understand that. I think when they talk about, you know, they can put as many safety measures and, and, um, everything in place, but still when you look at it compared to like what the NBA is doing, it's not in a bubble and these are going to be in 30 cities across the country. There's going to be a lot of travel involved. Granted that travel is going to be on charters, but, um, it is going to be, especially in the next week, as guys come in for the intake screening, it's going to be really hard to get off the ground. I mean, I think that Major League Baseball and the teams are terrified about what these intake screenings could show. And a point that you know I've thought about a lot, and I've seen a lot of other people write it, is where do baseball players live and where have baseball players been for the last few months? Where are they coming from? Where they're coming from, Florida, Arizona, and Texas. And those are three places that in terms of COVID spikes right now, you don't want to be. So I think that's a terrifying aspect of this. Um, we saw, you know, the NBA 16 out of three Oh two tested positive. I think that was a little bit lower of a number uh, than they anticipated. And it was actually kind of a positive um, situation there with baseball. I think, you know, the numbers could be a lot higher. We're seeing, you know, I think, you know, at least eight to 10 teams or have positives already on their 40 man roster. And uh, as this screening and this testing starts in the next couple of weeks, um, it could go up, but as, as of now, things are in motion. There are plans Wednesday of this week. We're, we're recording this on Monday night. We heard from Ron Renneke earlier in the day and Haim Bloom and Sam Kennedy late last week. As of right now, the guys are all going to be reporting to spring training, which is going to be bizarrely at Fenway Park on Wednesday. The first uh, camp full workout is going to be on Friday. And uh, there's going to be about three weeks of spring training, which sounds like it'll be mostly intra-squad games at Fenway uh, with some workouts at BC and maybe down at Pawtucket. And then the Red Sox are going to open a 60-game season on July 23rd. Sounds like July 23rd or 24th. um, Sounds like it's probably going to be the 24th at home. Uh, And we're going to start on this 60-game sprint. And there's there's obviously – it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before. Smith, uh, I know that you want to leave the house, um, but – are you cautious to do so even from a coverage standpoint?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm nervous about going in there. Um, definitely, you know, I, I'm supposed to get blood work after I left the hospital in March. You know, I haven't gone to get it yet. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I like I've been to the grocery store two times in the last, you know, four, three months or whatever it is. Um, I've been out very little, uh, when I have been out, I've used the mask. Um, and so I'm 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 nervous about going in there. Um, you mm-hmm. know, especially I have a you know, an eleven month old and you can bring it home to the eleven month old. And so yeah, there there are definitely concerns on my end.
1: Yeah, and I think that we're seeing even though the Red Sox don't think there any players are gonna opt out, we did have at the time of this recording we have three guys across baseball who have decided to opt out Diamondbacks righty Mike Leak, and then two guys in the Nationals, Ryan Zimmerman. And Joe Ross in the NBA, we've obviously seen a bunch of guys opting out um, from Wilson Chandler, I think was one of the last ones and Avery Bradley and uh, Bertans with the Wizards. Matt is a guy who you know writes about all these sports and has been covering all these things. I assume you don't blame any of these guys for wanting to stay home.
2: I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. And I think, I think some of the guys in the toughest spots right now are the, are the managers. I mean, Terry Francona has a circulation issue and he's older than the target, you know, than the age yep. that you want to be to put yourself in this run, run right? He's older too. And, and, um, and, you know, there's a, uh, it seems like those guys who are going to be around everybody and, 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 um, I think those guys are, are in, in a really awkward spot, but it's it's such a tough call for them to to be able to say, "Hey, I don't want to do this," because there's a, there's so few managerial jobs in baseball, and and the second that you pull yourself away from one, you risk never getting one again, and so, but. They're legitimately, you know, putting them themselves in, into into a pretty serious situation. That that's, I, I would if I'm, if I'm Terry Francona with his health situation and everything, I'm terrified doing this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's yeah. really, you know, the Reneke point's a great one because if you're Ron Reneke, you know, you waited this long for your second managerial um opportunity and and obviously the way the game has been going and we talked about how he was probably unlikely in normal times he was an unlikely guy to get another managerial job just because we're we're seeing so many first-time managers i mean alex cora aaron boone these types david ross those are your prototypical managers right now that are getting hired it's not these baseball lifers who have been and done everything so reneke gets dressed into this and in a really unique circumstance he gets his second chance and what is he going to do you know say no because of that I don't think that um there's any way even though you know there might be risk same kind of thing exactly with Dusty Baker in Houston I think he's 71 and um you know he was I think basically retired he found the perfect situation because Houston needed a steadying force with all that's going on uh so that is a huge concern I thought it was really interestingly and today and either one of you can address this but the Twins told two of their coaches, Bob McClure, who is a former Red Sox pitching coach, who's a bullpen coach, and one other coach, who I'm blanking on his name, uh, they're in their mid to late 60s, and he t- they told both of them, you guys cannot be with us this season. Like, we're putting our foot down. It's just too high risk, and, and that is not going to be able to – to fly, And we're in the Red Sox case, both the manager, Renike, who's 64 in August, and uh, Jerry Nairn, the bench coach, who uh, was around for about two weeks before spring training gets shut down. He's also 64, 65. Those guys are both planning on being there all year. It's interesting to see how these separate teams are handling it and um, obviously a huge amount of risk associated with them.
2: I give the twins a ton of credit for putting Bob uh, Bob McClure and Bill Evers on the sidelines. Bill um, Evers, that's it. Yeah, and, and and to to make it the the organization's decision to do it, it it takes it takes any um these guys are these guys have been professional athletes. They've spent their lives around professional athletes. There's a you know there becomes a machismo thing. To being, you know, not being afraid in these situations, mm-hmm. and they chose to not not let those guys risk themselves, which is a pretty good chance. I mean, I haven't yep. seen any, I haven't seen any coach in any sport opt out yet. But I mean, this is going to happen. This is going to happen across sports. I mean, look at all of the. I mean, Andy Reid is older. He's a mm-hmm. he's a big guy. He has a history of heart issues. Like across sports, you're gonna you're gonna see this. It, it's a hard thing for, for those guys to admit, A, that they're vulnerable, and B, that their teams can function without them. Yeah. And so like, there's, there's something to be said for – there's no reason with all of the other weird moving parts of the season that Terry Francona couldn't manage from a suite in the ballpark – an empty suite in the ballpark someplace. There's going to be plenty of them. You know, to have a have a headset on the same way a football coach would and send it down to somebody that's less at risk. But he I'm sure he won't like the optics. The team yep. won't like the optics and they won't do it. But it's there's you could do that. It would be safer and nothing would be harmed. But they're not doing that.
1: Right. And I'm sure, you know, with baseball and the traditions of the manager being on the bench and everything, it's not even something that they're they're even going to consider. Uh, and that. You know, with so many so many traditions are being bucked this year anyway, you know, I, I don't know what extremes they go to, but it doesn't seem like those things. I, I think, um, you know, so there's, there's conflicting things on if managers and coaches will have to wear masks in the dugout. I think they probably should, um, but I'm not sure exactly where they fell on that. I know that was a point of contention um, at one point. I, I do want to get to baseball because uh, I think there has been so much talk about kind of the ins and outs of are we going to play, And all of the negative things associated with that, whether it be on the economic side, whether it be on the health and safety side. But I think it's important while we do have the sliver of hope as of now, the season is going on. Uh, We have a report date in two days or one day by the time that this is up. Um, A first workout by the end of the week. I mean, we were just talking off air about our plans to go to Fenway Park. And, um, you know, I think that's exciting after uh, how long it's been since any of us have been there. So to focus actually on on the game, um, even if it's not the most important thing and not the most pressing issue, while well, we have the hope, I think is important. And the big question over the last week, and this is one that was posed to both High and Bloom and Ron Renicke on the conference calls that we had in the last week, was, does a sixty game season help the Red Sox and help the team with the way that the roster is currently constructed? I wrote about this in my notes column on Sunday. I think there are pros and cons, I think for every club that's obviously true. But for the Red Sox especially, this is a team that was never going to be able to um, pitch through an 162-game season. I think without Chris Sale, with David Price and Rick Porcello in different places, you had Erod... Valdi and Martin Perez and two question marks in the rotation. That doesn't seem like a group that's going to be able to get through. So they were going to have to get creative. They were going to have to use the opener. They were going to have to trust Ryan Weber and Brian Johnson and all these unproven guys and really mix and match and get creative and hope that a few of the depth pieces that I bloom acquired from other organizations off the scrap heap, which really really did. They were all almost designated for assignment by other clubs would pan out over 60 games. I think you can hide those warts a little bit more. I think every team's gonna be in the same boat at least for the first three weeks. That doesn't sound like a lot, but that's three weeks out of eight weeks, so it is actually a lot. Um and I think, you know, during that time that you're gonna see the Red Sox have a chance, if they swing the bat, to be right in there. Smith, I know you have some thoughts on this as well.
0: Yeah, I just was writing about the starting rotation and yep. you know, beyond what you have with Martin Perez and, and Eduardo Rodriguez. And Nathan Evaldi, I mean, there's just a lot of question marks. And, you know, career stats, they don't look good. You know, they're close to five ERA um, for all the guys beyond that except for um, except for Colin McHugh. But right. every other depth starter besides that. And so, you know, they're talking about Ryan Weber is a fourth starter. I mean, he has had no success in his career as a starting pitcher. Um, yeah, he had a good spring training, but that was a long time ago now, and, and spring training is a lot different from the regular season. Um, so it's going to be very difficult. They're going to have to be very creative. They're going to have to, um, you know, go with openers. They're going to have to, you know, uh, they, they do have some guys with lefthanded. I mean, they, you know, Matt Matt Hall is an interesting guy. You know, they they got so many guys in the off season off waivers or, or minor trades, such as Matt Hall and and jeffrey springs and you know chris Mazza, how those guys i mean those guys are going to be extremely important you know brian johnson mike schworen some of the, yep. the guys that i actually write about in spring training
1: <laughs> yeah this is, this is the, be, the 60-man roster is great for smitty's very, pool of features
0: yeah they're going to be actually very important this year because they're going to have to and, and you know there's a great point that was brought up on the call today it's like there's only three weeks of spring training. There's hard. There, if there's any exhibition games at all, there's only going to be two or three. So the pitchers aren't going to be prepared like they usually are. And so how many pitches, how many pitches are they going to be able to throw? You know, the first, the second, the third time through their spot in the rotation. I mean, are they only going to be able to throw 50 pitches there in their first game? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the bullpen is going to be that much more important and you know, one thing Bloom did in the in the offseason was add some guys that have some length out of the bullpen. And so um, we'll see with that. But I just I just don't have I like their offense a lot. I just really don't have too much confidence in their pitching.
1: Right. But my, 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 po- my point is that every team is piecing it together the exact same way almost now like you're you're. If you are a team that is built on your starting pitching, like if you're the Nationals and you have, you know, Strasburg and Scherzer and Corbin, like the effect of those guys is a lot less than 60 games when they're not built up for the first 30, then it would be uh, in a 162-game season. So I think that helps a lot more than people are giving it credit for.
2: I, I, I agree, and I think I think, Chris's, I think Chris Smith's points are, are, are well made. But a couple of the things that I think, if you were trying to play this out over 162, what's the chances that you get? A long run of Nathan Ivaldi not breaking down or going to disable us at some point that usually happens. But for for sixty games, Nathan Ivaldi could pitch like an ace for that stretch. That might or
1: um, or if or if if this crazy crazy spring training, he's not he can't build up normally. You he know, could he could he could
2: thing. go on the he could go on the disabled list tomorrow. So I think for the Red Sox, I think the Red Sox have a chance to either be sneaky good or really bad pitching wise. Mm-hmm. And but as um as, as Chris Smith said, the bullpen offers some interesting things because you're right. If everybody's you know if, if a four innings is a, is a typical start for a while, you can you've had you've seen really good stretches before out of Hembry out of Brazier, out of Darwinton Hernandez, um, Marcus Walden. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. But the option, in 60, in the option in 60 games is that you catch a couple of these guys on a good streak at the same time, you're in much better shape because you know that over 162 games, everything eventually evens itself out. Everybody plays to their talent for the most part over 60 games, you might get crazy good Jackie, one of those Jackie Bradley stretches where he hits 400 for three weeks. And if, and if you miss out on his two stretches where he hits 089 for three weeks, these are, these are things that can, they can go in your favor. So you have to hope for when whoever's the fourth starter in the opener, you have to hope to outslug teams enough of those games. And you have to hope that Eduardo Rodriguez Nathan Avaldi and, you know, the uh, hopefully Mar- Martin Perez can be can be um, excellent at the beginning. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting too because you think of all right, how do these guys do the second time around against the league? Well, you're playing the same teams so often. They're gonna get a, you're, you're gonna these. Uh, it's really gonna be so much about adjustments because teams are gonna have seen the same pitchers so so regularly
1: right yeah that's true and, and a good point go ahead chris
0: yeah you remember last year i mean how aggressive alex Cora was when he had a bullpen game and you know just like we'd see a lot of pitchers you know i mean yeah you know pitcher every inning and it was like they have the ability to do that be aggressive and it's going to be interesting how aggressive Renicky manages over a 60 game season um are we going to see that a lot you know I mean, with a 30-man roster for the first, you know, 15 days of the season, then for the next, what, 15 days after that, it's reduced to 28. 20. So they have enough pitching um, to be aggressive, and that's the style you have to be on a 60-game season. I mean, if mm-hmm. somebody's not pitching well, it's a close game. You can't just, you know, you can't just let it go. You just can't punt it away like a 162-game season. You know, you have to go to the next guy and you have to try to win every game. I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. I think it will, um. You know how baseball in general that's re- been relatively slow and you know boring at times over 162 game season. I think it's going to give some life to it. Uh, 62 game uh, 60 game schedule. Yeah, I think obviously. it's a
2: terrific point. I think it really is a terrific point because in, and it's interesting too because in the what is Renicki's mindset? Is he trying to prove himself for his future? Or is he looking at this, you know, is, 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 he trying to say, Hey, this is this situation I'm trying to win in this situation, or is he, is he trying to show the manager that he is long-term and that it's, he, it's an interesting intersection of different, uh, of different things coming together for the Red Sox.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, obviously that energy is going to be there over the course of, you know, the quick 60 games. Um, and every one of those games is going to be important. Obviously, That would be a lot more energetic, a lot more exciting if there were fans in the ballpark. I think it's impossible to quantify exactly how that's going to look. I think it's going to be really jarring and really bizarre at the beginning. Um, But, and I think the most newsworthy Red Sox-specific item of the week um, was Sam Kennedy's quote, that they are hopeful they could have fans in the stands at some point this season. He said that might be overly optimistic. I personally was shocked to hear it. I I thought there would be no chance of that. There are some States like Texas where they're exploring the possibility and, and maybe from the get-go, it doesn't look like considering what's going on in Texas. Now that's going to be particularly likely, but um, I thought the Red Sox would be among the last teams to ever have fans in the stands. I thought that comment was telling. And then Jim Crane down in Houston asked how to get revenues back well we got to get people in the seats and we got to have them buying beer and popcorn you know completely uh kind of ignoring the idea of all the safety risks inherent in that right now um and just shows that you know these owners even though they got pretty much their way and get to implement the season of their own they are still uh angling for fans to be in the ballpark at least a little bit i don't i'm not accusing the red Sox of, of trying to jump the gun here i think they're going to be really careful and obviously massachusetts numbers have been great but um I'll start with Matt here. I mean, do you envision any scenario where one fan steps foot in Fenway at all this season?
2: One fan. <laughs> I I could envision One gonna sneak in. I know I was gonna say I could envision <laughs> a scenario where um as the season goes on that they spread their friend their families out into different places in the park. I could see I could see them creating some situation where you're at, 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 you know, at a really minuscule uh, percentage. But I, I, I think that the talk about having the fans in the stands is a little bit like trying to keep people optimistic, try to keep people thinking that, that things are going in the right direction and keeping things positive, which is everything that they said. I wonder, honestly... I mean, Sam Kennedy is Mr. Say the Right Thing in all scenarios, and I'm wondering just how, how seriously he even thinks that it, it
1: could be. And I know that there yeah. was a comment from him that, that irked you a little bit the other day about – um, baseball. The country needing baseball in these times. So I'll let you get on your soapbox <laughs> and address yeah. that right now too. I don't,
2: the country doesn't. The country doesn't need baseball. Baseball. Having baseball games will not give people that are out of work a sense of normalcy. It will not make eating at a restaurant any more comforting. It will not. Uh. It will not make people in a nursing home any less terrified. I'll say for me. I love the idea of having baseball on TV. I love the idea of covering and writing about it, but it's not making things any more normal. In fact, seeing fanless baseball in the stands won't, will will remind you every second that you're watching it, things are not normal. I don't. I think this. I think sports. And let's, we always
1: go to Matt for the positive spin. I know. Sure.
2: All of all of us do this. Every single one of us in every industry wants to. We, Likes to talk about the importance of the industry that they're that they're in, and I'm sure mm-hmm. some of listening to this will accuse me of the same thing. But sport uh, sports is is I it matters a ton to me, and I can cite thousands and th- thousands of examples of how valuable sports is. But in this situation, sports is only valuable. If this works and if this is safe, if Terry Francona ends up on a ventilator, if you know, and I'm just using that as an, an as an extreme example. But if, if some if this turns out badly, if there's something tragic that comes out of some of this. And, and if this starts and goes for two weeks and stops again, it's worse. Right. It's 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 it will feel like, you know, it, it will feel like oh, be no, an
1: extremely deflating moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so, uh, yeah. I hope it works. I hope everything that they're doing is that's been planned out and gone through experts. I hope it works out terrifically. But I'm I'm concerned about it getting there. And and if the reason that you're doing it is because you think America needs baseball, I, I think that's disingenuous and and inaccurate.
1: Smith, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I just I think that um, you know, that's just. Sam Kennedy's business side talking about them about, you know, being optimistic about that. Um, you know, as Rob Manford had said, owners could lose four billion dollars this season in revenue. And a lot of that is, you know, um in game receipts and, and uh, you know, food and all that stuff around the park. And so um yeah, I think that that's just being positive. And I you know, or or thinking optimistically, it's not realistic. I mean you you talk you think about also the second wave that we we've heard about in some of these states right now like you know Florida and Texas and Arizona they opened up too early <laughs> and, and Massachusetts played it right and if it's up to the government they're going to continue to play it right they're not going to you know risk a second wave and um you know and, and that's that's a legit concern is a second wave that hits and um and so, yeah, I mean, Dr. Fauci has said some things about, you know, if, if there are fans in the stands, you know, spread them out, you know, for so many seats and everything. But, yeah, I just don't think that's a, a realistic at all. It's going to be up to the government and the government, you know, the government officials in Massachusetts would not allow that to happen.
1: Yeah, we're seeing, I mean, these things are already practical issues. I mean, they're trying to build the schedule right now, but they're building it based on a moving target of, as of right now, there are places that you don't want to have games, where you don't want to have games for as if things are right now, but you can't project, you know, a month down the line. Are you going to want them there? You know, there's teams, and I heard this yesterday from someone, there's teams that are looking at their schedules, they are scheduled to play in either Tampa or Miami to start the season. And they're saying, we do not want to play in Florida to start. Can you please move that? To our home ballpark, have the Rays and Marlins be on the road at least for the first few weeks to figure this out. I mean, we're not going to see two series at home, two series on the road like usual. We're going to see probably series getting moved pretty frequently from place to place and to neutral sites. And you know, if the Reds, if um, Massachusetts keeps things under control, and the Rays, or if in Florida can't, maybe we'll see every Rays Red Sox game being at Fenway. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of crazy things like that, and, and they're already finding those issues just as they're looking to finalize the schedule i mean it's not an easy thing at all not just to get everybody in order but to have everybody approve it and all the teams thinking they're safe the whole time
0: yeah it's funny like well it's not funny but mernic said today on the call he said that you know he has some concerns but he wasn't hesitant to manage um because of the safety protocols he feels they're you know they have enough safety protocols in place however yeah that's at the ballpark and everything but there's a lot more that goes into it for these guys than just the ballpark. I mean, as as Matt or you pointed out earlier, there's you know Uber rides, but there's also a lot of traveling. There's hotels. There's air air um there's airplanes. I mean, there's just so much expo. You could get this at any point. It's just it's just really there's just so much uncertainty going into it. And I would be afraid if I was any of them. I'd have a lot of concerns if I was any of them.
1: There's and it only it, al- it only takes one out of, yeah. It only takes one guy to fall out of line and say, all right, we're on the road. You know, we're on the road, we're in, uh, let's say, Miami, and and they still haven't closed down uh, the Clevelander on South Beach. That's my favorite spot every time I go. I get three or four teammates um, and go, you know, and then they get infected and then they bring it in. I mean, it only takes really one um, person to fall out of line. I think a really interesting piece of this uh, has kind of gone underreported just because it's, it's kind of dark is that Rob Manfred does have the power to shut down the season if he feels that an outbreak has actually changed the competitive nature of the league in a way where like one team has so many guys down that they can't compete or, you know, a a material part of the team is down. Um, So, I mean, it's crazy to think about, but let's say one team has 20 major leaguers that are down because of the virus, you know, I'm sure. It's not going to be like some other sports where it's an automatic win because we know the baseball um, there's every every day is a different challenge and everything like that. But um, one team goes down and and that might shut down the entire league, I think. Um, And you have a lot less control over that doing what they're doing and playing in 30 different spots than playing in two spots like the NHL or playing in in one uh, magical place like basketball is
0: yeah I mean, is there a true champion at the end if if a lot of the stars end up with coronavirus? I mean, so if the Red Sox are playing an important series against the Yankees that decides first place now, I should have probably said the Rays are playing an important series against the Yankees <laughs> that decides first place, but uh you know what if right before the game you have to pull you know three or four of your biggest stars in that lineup yeah um, yep. because they they can and then they can't play for another what fourteen days um
1: well I think they if they are positive, yeah,
0: yeah yeah so what if you pull those guys they can't play um you know what's is there really a, a true you know then you get into the postseason and the same thing like you know i think mm. the best players aren't playing against the best players if if you know people test positive then so yeah i would think that that would be you know right for manford to do if if um you know the competitive nature isn't uh, isn't there 14 right. days is at
2: least, tw- a- at least 12 games that's 20 percent of your yeah. season
1: mm-hmm. yeah and and I've heard you know the theory what if three of your starting pitchers who have been working out together and throwing side sessions get it during spring training and they're all backed up um, you know there is I think a positive a, a prospect in Giants camp who is um, you know we're, we're getting to the point where you know the, the tests that we have seen and the guys who have tested positive that we've heard about are um, there's to this point in every sport there's a good chance that they are going to be um, clear to go by the time it rolls around but i mean i just because we're all writing about different sports there is a really weird time i just wrote about spencer dinwiddie on the nets and he has it he has symptoms and they are due to fly to orlando in a week there's no way he's going to fly with the team obviously to orlando he's going to be starting a 14-day quarantine period and that obviously even though the season is going to start on july 30th that puts his status in doubt Um, even though the playoffs are going to start two weeks after that in mid-august i mean it's it's that domino effect and we're going to start seeing these positive tests that happen this week when guys arrive at camp those are going to really affect um the whole season i mean even though we're three weeks away and there's this whole domino effect of anybody who tests positive is not going to be ready for opening day obviously um and anybody who uh if there's break outbreaks during camp it could shut down Uh, i think i think this spring training camp is is probably the most dangerous time because guys are going to be uh, even though they're going to be coming in waves there's going to be um even more moving parts than I think before they get into that routine during the season too.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, that makes a ton of, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think you're going to have that many more people, more people there. And they're, they're not going to be in the routine that they'll want to be in yet.
0: Yeah. We've seen like, we've seen when they start to get together, like, you know, obviously the colleges, some of these college football programs like Clemson and uh, who's who's the other one? LSU, LSU
1: and Texas and Bama and yeah, Auburn so and we, everyone.
0: We, we really Kansas State. We yeah. haven't seen any major professional teams yet back together. The whole team back together like we have some of these colleges. Mm-hmm. So baseball is going to be the first this week, really. I mean, you do have some teams that are, you know, players are pra- like in hockey. Some teams the players are practicing with each other. You know. Uh, informal practice sessions, and then you've got you know the Tom Brady's of the world with his bucketing hairs out there throwing. But when these whole teams Matt, Matt, get, we'll together, get to that in a minute. <laughs> <but> when these <laughs> when these whole teams get together, that's going to be an interesting an interesting thing because it's already been a disaster at the college level.
1: Right. It's it is uh it is going to be scary. I mean, I think uh, when you start out these types of conversations like we've had over the last. 30 minutes you try to you know i start with baseball's back and we're hopeful and this is what's going to happen you want to talk about baseball but and as i've said as we're planning our coverage like that's not the story it's can these guys stay safe can they pull off this what really looks like a miracle um and it'll be really fascinating to watch both from afar if we decide to stay home and up close and personal six feet away from each other in the press box Uh, i do believe and i want to end with this this great news that just came from major league baseball um that the plan is originally to only allow one person per outlet in the ballpark. So I get to keep socially distancing from Matt Votor and Chris Smith for the foreseeable future and never have to deal with them in person. So if there is one good thing out of this whole pandemic, that would be that.
0: Well, you're very, you're uh, very proud of Cotillo. yourself
1: right now, aren't you? I, that was great. Yeah.
0: Cotillo, we live together at spring training and we might not ever see each other again for the rest of our life.
1: I know. Well, I we, that, we, we. yeah. Well, what a great time that was.
0: We'll always remember it. <laughs> Right, I well, think thanks. Chris
1: Kitzel is the last person I was in a car with, actually. That That's wasn't, true, yeah. Not my wow. family. Yeah, I'm glad. I, these are the people I chose to uh, associate myself right before everything uh, was turned upside down. Glad to have them on the podcast this week. Hopefully, when we talk again in a week or so, we will have very low numbers of positive tests. We'll be able to talk about position battles and uh, who's going to make the back end of the bullpen. Uh, until then, a lot of clarification, a lot of uh, good news needs to come from Major League Baseball. So, hopeful for that.